0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And we're live with a disappointing, but we're here to talk about it Forever, mighty Post Game Show. Talks lose to the Sharks, 3 nothing in a shutout loss. In Game 1, as we just said, at Honda Center, the series is <laughs> off on the wrong foot, Eddie. I don't know what to say. It just People, I think, are over-panicking at, at this loss. I feel like it's just one game. Um, it's hard to judge how this series is going to go. Both teams like, had time off for the playoffs started. It's it just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not super disappointed. I feel like the Ducks could work on some things, but uh, that second period was about it. Third period, Sharks shut it down, but uh, going into this game, did you expect this you know, just kind of Sharks play, kind of just back off?
1: No, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of their their play through the regular season, so I'm not sure if this is something they usually do or not. But they did a very good job defending uh, the Ducks in the neutral zone and, and really they couldn't get anything going to get into uh, the shark zone. And it was just stifling defense and then picking their opportunity on offense. And really, I mean, it wasn't as bad. A game as it's it's being portrayed as, I, there's a lot of things the Ducks could work on, but I think there was some things in there if you dig deep enough that that look pretty good. If you if you're going into Game Two, if they can fix up some of the things on the surface, uh, they have a good chance of turning the series around. I mean, it's Game One, and I get. It. I mean, we're all disappointed. This isn't how we expected it to go after all the you know winning five games in a row going into the playoffs, you know, snatching home ice away from the Sharks. And then losing game one in unenthusiastic fashion. It's disappointing, but there's still six games to go. Uh, there's a lot of time left for the Ducks to get back in this series.
0: I mean, look, the Ducks hit posts, they had chances in the crease, they weren't able to cash in. And that's just, quite frankly, where they missed their opportunities. I mean, yeah. the Sharks took advantage of a power play and very undisciplined Anaheim team starting in the second period, uh, which cost them big time um they got caught in a bad line change there also with a with Vander kane's second goal and you know it was just a matter of the sharks capitalizing and the ducks not at their chances i didn't feel like the ducks were completely overplayed or outplayed rather um jones didn't have to make a bunch of saves but he did what he needed to do to get the win and like you said it was just i mean just a stifling defensive effort by the sharks once they had the lead and when you have brent burns in, uh, on the ice i mean that guy controlled a lot of play in this game very impressed with brent burns um on the blue line for the sharks
1: yeah, and we talked about how he was going to be a key piece for them, and and, and I mean that's a pretty obvious take really is is he's going to be the catalyst for this blue line and, and to really drive play on offense for the Sharks. But yeah, I mean he played a solid game all around, not just his offense, obviously getting the goal as well, but really defensively he carried the load for the Sharks, and and we talked about how Paul Martin was going to be a question mark on that pairing with Brent Burns, but. It didn't look that bad. I mean, it was a decent pairing for the Sharks, and and Brett Burns had an outstanding game. And you know, it's tough to to look at it and say um, the, the Ducks aren't going to be able to overcome it because you know it's three nothing from the Sharks, but there are some things, and we'll talk about them later. Like I already mentioned, that you know they didn't look that bad if you dig dig into kessler's line actually did a pretty good job of shutting down pavelski's line five on five despite them getting that that one goal and then obviously the power play goal and there's a couple other things that the ducks did pretty well despite some of the things on the surface so it's tough man we're all disappointed but um now we'll we'll move on to game two and hopefully they they can change some things up
0: well before we get there we got to break down the game but let's get to our pre-game report John Gibson back at net for the Ducks, which was just exciting for everybody across the board. A lot of doubts about his health, uh, but he was able to get in the crease tonight and start game one after missing three of the last regular season games. the good tonight. Scratches, Kevin Bieksa still out. Cam Fowler, as we all know, has the uh, the mystery that no one's reporting on shoulder injury. This classified as upper body. I uh, Most likely won't see him, as we've talked about before. Holzer a scratch, Chimera, and Captain Canada, as well as Troy Terry are all scratches tonight. Um, interesting, Terry didn't play in favor of Antoine Vermette. Something about the, uh, the face-off prowess that Randy Carlisle seems to love. I'm not sure if that's the case, but it just kind of seems like that's the only thing that uh, Vermette has to bring to the table. Um, interesting and scary for Ducks fans, I guess. Joe Thornton took warm-ups tonight, but uh, did not partake in the line rushes. He was just making an appearance to show everybody the crowd that he's here, and uh, he's close to coming back. And as we all know, as we broke down um, before this game, the Sharks were 3-0-1-1 in this season series, but all games except for one were all in a shootout victories. So for the Sharks wins anyway. So the series has a has a chance to be close. And like we just said, the Ducks were not far away. But let's get off with the show, Eddie, and start the intro.
1: Get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets left center! Perry! Score! Corey Perry! Lillian able to take away from Solani, it's giving away to Solani. Before we get into the breakdown I mean Ruben brings up a point that we've already mentioned here but he said it's only one game no no need to worry yet there's going to be a game two and possible games past uh, past I mean there's no there's no need to get worried yet and, and think that the Ducks out of this series I mean it's just one game and there's plenty of time left wasn't a great wasn't the greatest game but yeah no exactly and this is this is The first
0: game of a series is never a telltale sign about how it's going to go. It's just not. Yeah. Now, if the Ducks lose both games on home ice, then you're looking at a problem because it's going to be much harder to win NHP. Um, but I think the Ducks have a chance to come back, and, and even the series up here on Saturday. He's totally right. No one should be panicking right now. Obviously, you're disappointed. Especially if you were there, you're disappointed. Nobody wants to see that happen uh, when you're paying money to go to a playoff game. But it happens. It just happens.
1: Yeah, I, I mean – I get the frustration, and and really, we saw a lot of people leaving early from Honda Center, which I guess in some instances is understandable, right? I mean, it was just a disappointing game. It's not like, you know, again, it's not like it was a blowout from San Jose, and and it didn't even really feel like a close game at times either. It was just a boring game. The Ducks couldn't really muster up anything. I mean, Martin Jones ends up making, I think, 26 saves on the night for a shutout. And really, he wasn't challenged that much. Uh, a lot of the chances that the Ducks got their best opportunities were fired right into to the crest, and that was it. I mean, there was a chance where Kessler ends up hitting the post, and I think that was one of the best chances the Ducks had the entire game. But other than that, pretty much all the chances we saw were fired right at him.
0: Yeah, you know, just going into the first period, um, I mean, this period is like a, a very long feeling out period, I felt like, for both yeah. teams. Wasn't a lot of offense going back and forth here in the first period. Uh, big hit to start it off, Timo Meyer He'd be a physical force in this game early on. Levels Kasha. Burns actually hits the post. There was no shots on goal for either team in the first four minutes and 27 seconds, which is pretty crazy to me considering all the firepower on both these teams. In fact, the Ducks didn't even get a chance to get a shot on goal until JT Brown did it seven minutes in as a penalty was expiring. He got his first shot, and they hit the rebound. So... We said stifling defense in the pregame, and that's exactly what the Ducks entered into here in the first period.
1: Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head saying both teams are just kind of feeling each other out. I mean, they've seen each other four times this season, or I think maybe, yeah, four times this season, but not since February. So they haven't really seen each other in a while, and they're just kind of feeling each other out, seeing what each other's going to bring to the table, and that pretty much equates to no offense in the first 10 minutes of the hockey game when really the only good chance the Ducks had was the one that you said by JT Brown was actually a pretty good move for me. It showed a nice burst of speed, got in on the backhand, and got a decent chance on Martin Jones, but not much going on. I mean, it was kind of a trend throughout the entire game, but there was just nothing happening in the beginning part of the first period.
0: No, I mean, not until a crazy bounce goes off the inborns, deflects back out, and it it goes into the pads of Martin Jones, who's standing up, goes out in front of that. Lindholm is able to get a stick on it as the puck's bouncing, ends up nicking the glove of Jones and going wide. That was a chance there. Obviously, you know, not much Lindholm could do there, right? I mean, it wasn't yeah. like the puck was just sitting on a plate for him to dish it in. It just happened to bounce and hit the pad of Jones. Unfortunately, the, you know, the score would remain scoreless. And then uh, we all had to take a collective sigh of relief <laughs> in the next play because everyone's after John Gibson and his injury proneness, you know, that's been a huge topic of discussion here the past couple of weeks. Timo Meyer goes just dragging Montour right into Gibson, hits him up high. Um, I thought for a minute that they were calling a penalty on Montour, to be honest with you, as Gibson goes down into the net, he's able to pop back up, he's just fine, not worse for wear, so everyone there breathes a collective sigh of relief, like I said, and it ends up being Timo Meyer that goes to the box there, but wouldn't that have been just the worst thing ever in the first period of Game mm. One to see an injury happen to our goalie?
1: That would be uh, typical from what we've seen throughout the regular season. Uh, I mean, if some people have their way, John Gibson apparently doesn't have any injury problems, so we wouldn't have to <laughs> we wouldn't have to worry about that too much. But yeah, I mean, it was an interesting play because I, I honestly thought too that the Ducks were going to get a, uh, pal- a penalty off that play. Even the the broadcast I was watching, which was not the the Ducks' regular broadcast, I was watching the. Uh, USA Live one with Mike Johnston, which we were pretty, pretty jealous about. But uh, they I was thought... very very jealous. I love Mike Johnston. <laughs> it, it was a pretty good, it was a pretty good broadcast. But they thought that uh, Gibson was going to get a penalty because he gets a little kick in on Timo oh, Meyer when he's the down on the ice. Yeah, so they thought he was going to get a penalty for that. I thought he was going to get a penalty for that too, based off what they had said. And then it ends up that Timo Meyer somehow gets a penalty, which of course it benefits the Ducks, but. Uh, Are we surprised, really, that it was an awful power play? I mean, this is, what, the 23rd-ranked power play in the NHL versus the second-best penalty kill, and the Ducks' power plays looked bad all season, so, I mean, we're not too surprised.
0: No, and it's uh, it's a disappointment that they came up short because they don't get very many of those power plays in this game, and to cash in early like that would have been great for them. Uh, But then we see Kessler. We talked about dumb penalties going into this series. And how the Ducks had to stay disciplined. I remember mentioning the pests, guys like Perry, Kessler, DeXa, Richie, you know, guys that get under people's skin, taking dumb penalties. Just a complete interference there on Hurdle by Ryan Kessler. He sits and, uh, you know, it just develops into a power play. The Sharks almost score on early. Hurdle gets chances there. Gibby forced to make some big stops. And then we saw a chance that I really, really thought Raquel got on net until I didn't realize that it was the skate up. I think Pavelski ends up hitting in front of the net. Raquel's able to dangle in, can't finish. Um, just kind of the story there. He had a couple of chances. Uh, or The Ducks had a couple of chances to score, and Pavelski has, had his skate in the way a couple of times there. So the Ducks have come close. They had their chances in tight, weren't able to get involved in front of the net enough to bury it, I guess. But uh, that would wrap up the end of the first period. They ended up getting outshot. Eight to four. Sharks scoring chances. Or uh, scoring chances was actually in favor of the Ducks. Seven to five. Am I reading that right? Because they didn't feel yeah. like it. But, yeah. Or seven to... Where am I at here? Looking at yeah, the natural statutes. Yeah, seven to... Yeah. Just, I don't know, man. I that was pretty... Uh, pretty surprised when I saw that because it felt like the Ducks besides the one by Lenholm there wasn't anything ain't all too crazy being developed by the Ducks but that's at the end of the period zero, 0
1: I imagine if Raquel is able to connect on that goal I mean we saw a pretty nice goal from Philip Forsberg in that Nashville game today where he pulled the puck between the oh, yeah. legs but if Raquel's able to put that in the back of the net that's probably goal of the night I would think I mean he makes two toe drags to get it to, to his backhand obviously the shot doesn't get on net but that I mean that, he's been doing that all season and he's just He's so underrated in, in his handles and what he can do with the puck and, and those two moves. I mean, in tight, getting around pretty much three or four Sharks players and, and then almost getting a shot on that, it, it's just insane some of the things this guy can pull out in, in tight spaces.
0: Yeah, and my, my staff for scoring chance, by the way, that was that was 5-on-5. Five five. So obviously okay. count the Sharks' power play much different, um, but it wasn't 5-on-5. Five five. But uh, starting off in the second period, hurdle line is getting chances. I felt like that line was playing really, really well tonight. Um, they were getting a lot of shots, a lot of chances in on Gibson. Gibby um, had to come up big. You know, he had to come up really big on this uh, on this play. And then he goes back the other way. Kasha with the with, the, uh, with a shot with a chance or shot. Sorry, I'm like fumbling my word there. Huge <laughs> save by Jones on the power play. And then we get the chance that you talked about. Kessler rings one off the post. He was wide open. Tried to go far side on Jones, just couldn't complete the play. And that's kind of where it all kind of went downhill. I felt like um, after that, it was Sharks power play, and uh, I don't know, man. I don't know about how you feel about this, but the Ducks take another penalty on when they're already on the penalty kill. Getzloff, I mean, he's pretty much forced to having to take that call. Yeah, as Labanca was in all alone. Sharks would end up converting on the five on three. Pavelski, it's wide open. Patrick Kane or Patrick Kane, Evander Kane, and all of a sudden it's one nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're penalties, for sure. Both of them are slashing penalties. But it's such a tough situation to put you in because Getzlav has to make that play because nobody is doing a good enough job. To, I think he slashes hurdle, right? Nobody's really covering him. Gatslav has to turn around and slash him so he doesn't get a good chance off. And then from there, I mean, you're putting not the best power play in the league, but you're putting a very deadly power play on a 5-on-3, and and it was almost inevitable that they were going to score a goal. They were looking good already, Uh, and then Evander Kane is alone in front. You can't blame Gibby on this one. I I mean, he really just has to take it. I don't think he one-times it, but he he gets it off pretty quick. Not much Gibby can do on that play, and Evander Kane, surprisingly enough, this is his first playoff game, and he gets his first playoff goal.
0: Yeah, he's been waiting to go into the playoffs apparently, right? He looked good. He's been really, really good on the Sharks team since he came over in the trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ducks' broadcast end up saying about him, like uh, you know, it's real easy to to be uh, a positive part of a good team. You know, when you're on a team that's not so good, uh, you know, things happen in the room, things are different. They've been, all accounts, he's been a great teammate in San Jose. You mentioned to change of scenery. I wanted him to come to Anaheim. You, you know, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wouldn't have been upset about that coming to Anaheim. Uh, I saw that on Twitter tonight too. Like you know, Evander Kane. I was like, but what about the baggage people are saying? It's like. Come on! What, 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 what baggage though?
1: Like, look at look at what he's done in San Jose. Have we seen any of that? Any of the concerns that people had about the baggage that he was bringing over there? I haven't. You haven't heard about it since he he ended up getting traded. You've heard nothing about that since he's been with the San Jose Sharks.
0: No, he's been great. I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize what he got accused of or what happened yeah. to him in Buffalo. I mean, at all. But people change. New scenery, fresh people, fresh city. It's completely different atmosphere in San Jose, and he's really been kicking ass since he's gotten to the Sharks. And he had a hell of a first playoff game. Uh, so right there, it'd be one nothing Sharks. Cogs with some chances shorthanded, and if I read this right on NHL.com, the Ducks had nine shots on goal shorthanded. That's triple the amount they had on their power play. That's <laughs> incredible to me.
1: I'm not surprised. I was like,
0: wait a minute. <laughs> like it's a big number.
1: It's a big number, but the Ducks power play has been so bad, and, and the Ducks have actually looked pretty decent all season in, in on the penalty kill. I don't know if they led the league in shorthanded goals, but I feel like they got a decent amount. I'd have to double-check that stat, but they've always looked like they're they're pretty dangerous on the penalty kill, but nine shots, and you said what well, they had three on the power play, which is, which is not good. They didn't yeah. get a ton of power play opportunities, and of course they had six chances on the penalty kill to get some, some shots shorthanded, but... I mean, something's got to get worked out with this power play. We've talked about that endlessly all season, how it's just been awful, and they haven't really been able to work things out. That was the the same case in this game where it, it didn't look good at all, but the Ducks' offense as a whole was pretty much anemic throughout the entire game. But the, the power play plays a big part in that.
0: So, yeah, after Cogs had his shorthanded chances, Couture, we're talking about hitting post. Kessler hit one earlier. Couture hit one off the post here on the power play. Then you would see the Gets Raquel line kind of start buzzing. But they didn't really get a lot of great a chances. I mean, there was a few here and there. But, I mean, the biggest one for Raquel is when he ends up hitting a skate in front of the net after he dangled the defense. Um, and then I mentioned Burns. I felt like Burns was creating havoc everywhere. And the Ducks eventually get caught on a bad line change. Evander Kane goes in on a three-on-one with Pavelski. He gets fed over. And he walks in on Gibby and dekes him. Goes crashing into the goal post. It's 2 nothing. Gibson again with no chance. I don't know how you fault this guy on, on any of these goals tonight, especially the last two there. Not much you can do there, and all of a sudden that's 2 nothing Sharks.
1: You can't really fault him on any of them. I mean, if you had to pick one, I guess you can pick the, the first goal on the power play. But again, Kane was all alone in the slot on that one. On this one, it's a 3-on-1. And then, I mean, essentially a 2-on-1 with Pavelski and Kane. The two deadliest players on the Sharks' offense, and there's not much you can do. Kane is in alone and is able to beat Gibson. Gibson does a pretty good job too. I mean, Kane has to go full stretch to, to to sneak that into the far side. But I feel bad for Gibson because he was kind of left out to, to dry. That's been the case uh, in a lot of games all season. Uh, but Evander Kane, again, I mean, this guy is just deadly since coming over to the Sharks. Uh, it's it's insane that they're able to only give up a second round pick. And of course, even if they just signed him, even if they sign him in the off season, it's just a first round pick and, and you would assume if they go far enough, it's going to be a late first round pick. So, I mean, this deal just continues to look better and better for the sharks. And he's only 26. It's yeah. not like he's
0: 30. And if they give him a decent deal four year, five year deal, I mean, he's going to be solid for him for those years. And I, I don't know. I, he it's a great pickup. I'm a little jealous that he didn't come to Anaheim. Yeah. Um, not too long after Kane would pot his second, Brent Burns just threw a maze of players. All five ducks were caught down low in front of John Gibson. No chance for Gibby there. It goes through the traffic right between Gibson's legs, and now it's 3 nothing. Brent Burns is doing Burns things.
1: Yeah, and that third line for San Jose that we mentioned earlier on as well, they were dominating play on this on this goal, and it led to Burns getting the point shot and then I, I don't think anybody gets a tip on it, but it, if it like does it not hit something and go down? Because I feel like Gibson thinks this is going high, and then it ends up going lower into the net. I'd have to watch the replay again, but it was a weird one for sure because it, it goes through traffic and ends up finding its way into the net. Not much Gibby can do on that play, but uh, all the offense that was getting generated by this third line for San Jose is just surprising. I, I mean, you know, we'd broken down the game on this show and, and in other places as well and talked about how... You know, the, the Sharks have a very deep team, but it's going to come down to which lines can produce consistently. And this line was a surprise for the Sharks. I mean, Henry, Cash, and Richie were, for lack of a better word, awful on the night for the Ducks. And uh, this line for the Sharks stepped up and was one of the better the better lines of the, the entire hockey game. Yeah, what do you think happened with that Henry Klein tonight?
0: I mean, they just got eaten alive. Just very uncharacteristic for them. I was very surprised just because they've always been pretty... You know pretty even you know or or on the positive side of things. I don't know what it was. I'd have to go look at their what linemates or of the or what uh opposition they played against. Did you see who they were up against the whole night?
1: uh last time I checked it, it was like it varied a lot uh, and i'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up real quick because he- Adam is the first guy who comes up. So if you look at Adam Hendrik and who he played against the entire night, Timo Meyer is number one. this is five one five uh Eric Ferrer, Melker Carlson, Chris Tierney and Marcus Soros, and, and then Kevin LeBanc. So it looks like Adam Henrique in that entire line. I'm going to pull up Nick Ritchie as well just to double-check. But they played against the Sharks' third and fourth line and got uh, completely caved in. And, you know, they, they played some time against uh, the first and second line, but not a lot. And it looks like, this, yeah, the same goes for Nick Ritchie as well. So... They got caved in by the Sharks third line which did have a very good night and then their fourth line as well which which isn't a great showing. I mean you're hoping that that's a favorable matchup for that Ducks third line and how well they've been all season and it's not like they're even really facing the Pavelski or the Couture line on the regular basis and they just had an awful night I mean they couldn't get anything going. The only guy I really noticed was Andre Cash and I, I think that's really when he got bumped up to the first line with Raquel and Getzlaff. that's when he really started getting things going for him and you know, adam henrique i noticed a couple times nick richie i barely noticed at least offensively a couple times he threw the body and was getting involved after the whistle but that was pretty much it
0: yeah no not much good for them at all uh, i was very poor, poor performance from them um on the positive side of things though the kessler line did look a lot better which we'll get into after we get through this third period which i'm about to jump on right now because the rest of the second period was not really anything happening other than just, I thought it was kind of an unfair call, Perry, because the only one who goes to the box after a melee ensues. Perry kind of bumps into Jones after getting shoved. Everyone goes nuts. Getzloff and Burns tie up. I thought there was going to be a fight, but it was mostly the Ducks being upset and frustrated. You know, Perry's uh, yeah. reputation getting the better of him there as he serves the minor at the end of the period. so Or towards the end of the period. And just another penalty. I mean, it just wasn't going the Ducks way tonight when it comes to the referees.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, the the refs were at, at the wrong end of some of these calls, but really the Ducks killed themselves on most of them. I mean, the, the Kessler penalty we already talked about, the first one he had was dumb. The one later on in the game that really much killed any momentum the Ducks could have was a stupid penalty. It was a bad interference call. He really didn't have to throw the Sharks player to the ice. I mean, he was just frustrated. And I, mean, I can't blame him for being frustrated, but you have to channel that a different way. And you can't take a penalty, especially late in the game. I know it's 3 nothing, but there's still six minutes remaining. There's plenty of time to get something going, get a goal, and then pull a goalie and have a chance to tie the game. I and mean, the Ducks have done it before. And the discipline was just was not good. And it's been a trend all season. And it's something the Ducks are going to have to work on for this next game because you can't give this Sharks power play the amount of opportunities they had. I mean, the Ducks got lucky that they only got one power play goal tonight, and it was on a five-on-three because San Jose easily could have scored two or three more. The chances that they were given.
0: No, it's true. They didn't look good in the second period, and then three nothing Sharks. My notes for the end of that were uh, Evander Kane and Brent Burns are money. I just felt like they were dominant um, in the first half of this game. Uh, Going into the third period, I don't know what you want to talk about in this third period because I really felt that it was just clogged the neutral zone hockey for the Sharks. The Ducks couldn't get anything in tight in on on Jones for a grade-A opportunity. The rebound chances in this game, I felt like all over the place, whenever they had a chance to get a a puck towards the net on a rebound, there was a Shark stick in the way, a Shark skate in the way. They did a great job in shutting down the Ducks' offense. Um, They just couldn't get anything through. There was just nothing going through. On net, And as you said, when it comes to penalties, Kessler would take another penalty in this third period, the interference against Logan Couture, just undisciplined. Um, And I know we all love Kessler. I do, too. But a a pretty undisciplined game for him to be able to take two penalties like that um, in a game which they're losing. So this this third period, though, man, um, did you see any light in the tunnel for the Ducks heading out of this third period? Just because I felt like they were just ready to scrap the game and get ready for Saturday.
1: I mean, the shot attempts were actually even, I believe, for this most of this period. I'd have to redouble double check here, but I think they, I mean they were better than the first and second. But you didn't really see it. Um, it, it I mean, they actually turned the tide of the, the the Ducks in the third period had uh, 26 scores for against 14 against, so they actually controlled the third period somewhat. I think it's, this, it's more of the Sharks just sitting back and and really not trying to get anything going on offense. I mean, they're up three nothing. Uh, and they were doing a good job defending already. They were just going to sit back and, and pick their chances throughout this one. But the, the funny thing is the Ducks' best chances in this game came off the flukes that came off the boards. Uh, I mean, the Silverberg shot that almost went in and bounced in off Martin Jones. There was another play where it came off the boards and almost went in off Jones. Those are really the best chances the Ducks had, and they were flukes other than Kessler hitting the post, and, and that was pretty much it. It was just just such a bad game from the Ducks all around. Not what we really expected them to do coming out of the gate after such an exciting finish to the season, winning five games in a row. You thought, you know, they're going to come in hot. The Sharks are coming in, losing five of their last six. And it, it looked like it was the other way around. I mean, it looks like the Ducks had just rattled off six losses straight coming into the postseason and continued that play in the first in the first game here.
0: Yeah. If you don't make the opposing goaltender work, it's going to be real tough to beat them and take the win. Yeah. Um, the star players for the Sharks took over this game Looking just down the stat line here, Evander Kane with six shots on goal. Timo Meyer, not even a star on the Sharks. Good player. Five shots on goal. Thomas Hurdle, four shots on goal. So, you know, just some notables there. I mean, Burns, uh, you would expect to have a bunch of shots, and he, he did. He had nine.
1: Yeah. He had
0: nine shots of their 34 shots on goal. So involved everywhere. He played 28 minutes. Just a great game by the Sharks. You know, great road game. I felt like they got the lead and then shut her down. And the Ducks, even though they may have, may have controlled the possession side of things and the shot share, they just weren't dangerous in the third period enough to come close to getting a goal. Um, I like how it says they had, uh, what was this on here, 41 hits to 22 for the Ducks, so that doesn't buy it goals. No. <laughs> they really need to focus <laughs> on trying to get some, get the pucks in the net there and, and get rid of the, uh, the sideshow. Of trying to you know rough up the sharks and and uh, and get them to take penalties because it's not happening. The ducks were on the wrong side of that all night.
1: Yeah, I feel like the ducks got away from what was making them so su- successful in the last five games of the regular season, and a lot of that is credit to the way the sharks play throughout this entire game. I mean, they just suffocated the ducks' offense pretty much from puck drop. I mean, the ducks couldn't get anything going because of how well the sharks were playing defensively, and that and that's honestly something I didn't expect from this team going into this series. I, I knew they were going to be good defensively, but I actually thought the Ducks had the edge. And it was just the system that the Sharks employed. The Ducks had no answer for it. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be the same thing the Sharks go with in Game 2, but I'm sure you're not going to fix something that's not broken. So the Ducks are going to have to come into that game with an answer to that. Otherwise, they're going to end up going into San Jose down two games to nothing.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate but this game would end 3 nothing. And the Sharks would take the 1 0 series lead. Game two back at Honda Center on Saturday night. So everyone's looking forward to that. Let's get to the post game here, Eddie. Uh, let's talk about Pedersen and Walensky. That seems yeah. like a good place to start just because we've already talked about the shot share and uh, how the, how the how all the periods went. Now, getting to the post game here, Randy Carlisle did something that we didn't think he was going to do. We I really thought he was going to have a veteran presence in there, at least a holzer if Biaxa wasn't ready, but he went with the kids. Uh, was that the the right idea or the wrong idea? How do you feel about Pedersen and Walensky in this game too? Or yeah, in this a, game?
1: Yeah, it was a weird decision because Holzer got sent down to San Diego, and we kind of all thought that BXO was going to be ready to go. And then we get the the lineups, and you see Pedersen and Walensky, and, and it ends up being the wrong decision, I think. I mean, obviously we don't know because – BX wasn't in the game, so we don't know how that outcome would have been. But I, I felt like he would have been a little bit more of a calming presence down on that blue line with, with Marcus Pedersen. Walensky looked okay. He had a couple chances offensively. Pedersen took a bad penalty in the first period and then really just wasn't that great. And that pairing was, was statistically the worst for the Ducks of the night, which isn't a surprise. I mean, this is what we expected, isn't it? I mean, we talked about how it could be scary going into game one with these two on the bottom pairing and being their first playoff game in their careers. Uh, and it really turned out the way we expected it. I would I would think that Bieksa is probably in for game two if he's ready to go. He was a, a scratch tonight, which means he was still at least in the lineup and, and a possibility. So hopefully he's all healed up and ready to go. I mean, I don't I didn't think I would expect to say that, based off the regular season that I can't wait for Kevin Bieksa to get back in the lineup, but I feel like what he brings is going to be a nice calming presence to that bottom pairing and help out either Pedersen or Walensky, depending on who they keep. You'd probably think it would be Pedersen and Bieksa just to have a lefty and a righty on that bottom pairing.
0: Yeah, I don't see Walensky playing unless Bieksa is still not ready to go. I felt like he didn't have a great game. Uh, He's the one who popped the puck up. When it was in the scrum in front of Gibson, then went right on Burns. Is you know bounced right in front of Burns. who had that crazy shot. Yes, through traffic. Yes, it was pretty lucky, right? But yeah. you gotta get the puck out of the zone. That's gonna be looked at by the coaching staff too. Is how they played under pressure. Then you got Pedersen who took the first penalty of the game when he uh, used a free hand uh, to grab Timo Meyer. Um, but I, I would go with Pedersen. He just has more NHL experience at this point. And um, I don't know. You got to put a veteran on that. I know how much we've been saying everything we can possibly say against Kevin Biexa. But, I mean, that third pairing is just not working. And they got to figure it out before Saturday.
1: They really felt the loss of Cam Fowler in this game. I mean, it's not that the defense was necessarily the issue for the Ducks, but you could really sense that his presence was missed. Just being able to get out of the zone cleanly. Get and just the way he helps the Ducks enter the offensive zone is something that they missed as well because you know Montour can do it on occasion, Lindholm can, Manson has the ability sometimes, but you know, Boschman, Pedersen, and Walensky aren't really going to be doing that a lot. And you know, it, it, it sucks because it's not like we know he's going to be back. I mean, somebody had brought up in the chat that this series gets even harder when Joe Thornton is back in the lineup, which it looks like he's pretty close. The fact that he was out for warm ups. And it could be a possibility for game two. And here we are looking at a Cam Fowler, knowing that he's going to be out for the majority of this series, if not the whole thing. So no light on the end of the tunnel for the Ducks blue line. They're going to have to work with what they have right now. Uh, And really the bright spot, again, I didn't think I'd be saying this, but the bright spot for the Ducks blue line right now is Kevin BX. It's not like he's going to come in and be a savior, but I feel like he, he can at least add something that they didn't have in game one and just relieve some of the pressure from the two kids they had out there. Yeah,
0: something's got to change. You got to. He went with the young kids, which we've all talked about. You know, it'd be great to see what these young kids can do on the same defensive pair. Um, but when you get caved in, and you only play twelve minutes. It's a problem. Yeah. And I think the, the coaching staff's going to look at that and make a change. Um, not that I love Baxa down there, but uh, you got to have somebody in there with some experience and just see what there gets you because it's a roll of the dice. I mean. It's hard to ask the top four to play any more than they already did. Manson, mm-hmm. Lindholm, almost, you know, 24 minutes, 23 minutes. Uh, Montour, Boschman, 21 minutes, 24 minutes. A lot of time being logged by those guys. And it's, it's going to be a long series if, if the Ducks can make it one, right? I mean, the Ducks got to get back in it here. But I feel like it has that vibe to me that it's going to be a long series. I don't think this is over by any stretch. But, um, yeah, let's see what Bieksa can do. He's had some time off. Maybe he's got some legs left in him. Um, moving on. Let's talk about the penalties. We League said League. it before. <laughs> lots of undisciplined play in this game. Uh, these penalties were pretty much warranted on all accounts, I feel like. I think the yeah. only one where the Ducks kind of got screwed was where Perry was the only one who went to the box when roughing against Eric Fair at the end, or like four and a half to go in the second period. Other than that, the penalties were pretty blatant in my eyes.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were, and, and I mean that call on Perry was warranted, but uh, they got shafted a bit that it wasn't coincidental. minors, I think, on that play, but other than that, they were all penalties that they were bad, either bad plays by the Ducks in general or just a bad individual effort. I think on Kessler's part, uh, that's on his shoulders. I think they're both interference calls, especially the last one. You just can't have that when you know there's still about six minutes left in the game and I know it's a long shot to come back from three to nothing but that's enough time really that is enough time to get back if you get a goal you can get some momentum going your way, pull the goalie and you have a chance to maybe get back into it but he takes just a, a dumb late penalty in the game and it saps the rest of the energy the Ducks had out of out of the game and there's really nothing he can, can get going and this was a talking point that we had mentioned on this show on, on our last post game show about discipline If the Ducks can curb that going into game one, obviously it didn't happen. And that's something I think is at the forefront of what they're going to have to fix going into game two. I mean, you can't give this team in San Jose six opportunities on the power play, especially a five on three, which ended up hurting the Ducks. I mean, they're just too deadly when you've got Evander Kane, Logan Couture, Pavelski, Brad Burns, all in the same power play unit. You know, eventually they're going to hurt you. The Ducks got lucky, like I already said, that they only got one power play goal in this game because they, they looked good on the power play despite going one for uh, one for six. I feel like they had a lot of good opportunities and they couldn't really cash in.
0: No, and you know a power play um, is great if you can convert. So the Ducks aren't converting there. So if you're taking the other side of it and you're taking penalties, It's great that you're killing them. It's wonderful. But what you're doing at that point is you're just eating the clock when you're losing. So regardless if the Sharks aren't converting on these power plays, you take enough of them. You're taking a lot of five-on-five time out of your game and just undisciplined. I mean, it's hard to fault Ryan Gatzloff on the slash on Kevin LeBlanc. I mean, what was he supposed to do to let LeBlanc walk in on Gibby all alone? Yeah. But the two by Ryan Kessler, I mean, come on. You got to think better than that. Although, like we said, his line was great tonight. Um, just you got to be better than that. You can't have these undisciplined calls, and that kind of killed them, especially in the second period. I mean, they all fell apart, obviously. when all the, all the goals went in. But um, let's, let's bring it back up to positive. Uh, we just bashed Kester, and now let's talk great about him. <laughs> Honestly, he did a hell of a job tonight. That yeah. line was wonderful tonight. I felt like it was all secondary scoring besides the power play, right? I mean, what are you going to do on Evander Kane's second goal?
1: yeah no it was, it was a bad a line change, ones. yeah it was a bad yeah. line change that led to a goal, and it just so happens that it was Kessler's line that was coming over the boards and is out there for the goal against. I mean, there's not much you can really do other than that the Pavelski, Kane, and Don score didn't have a lot going for them uh they had the power play goal and then they had this goal, which makes it look like they had a very good night because they contributed to two of the three goals but they they really didn't get much going because that they were able to shut them down. It's just the offense wasn't there for this line. And uh, Kessler was kind of a a loose cannon, as I believe uh, Matt said in the chat, and it kind of plagues the, the night that they had. But you look at the underlying stats and they did a good job of preventing any offense five on five from this line. if they can continue this into game two and the Ducks fix up the little things that are going wrong right now, this is this is a completely different outcome, and I'm not saying the Ducks are, are coming out three nothing winners if they fix a couple things up. But this is definitely a closer game, and what we expected, like a two one, a three two game, uh, where you know the Ducks' number one priority is shutting down Evander Kane, prevelski and Donisquy, and they did a good job of doing that in this game. And if you can do that through the entire series, it gives you a very good opportunity to win if your top line and Getzlaf. Perry and Raquel can get going offensively, and if Henry, Kasha, and Richie can turn things around after an awful game tonight.
0: Yeah. 100%. They, we have a lot to look forward to on Saturday. I expect a much different Ducks team. Yeah, um, I really do, and I expect this honestly, the Henry Klein to be better. I mean, Kasha ends up getting moved up on the top line. Perry gets slotted down. I don't think that was a knock on Perry's game. Um, he wasn't amazing tonight, but I felt like Carlisle was just trying to cycle things up and get some speed on that top line because I mean that's what Costra brings, obviously, and finishing ability. It's unfortunate it didn't click. But uh, I expect a much better Henry line out there. They were they were paired against the Sharks third line of Timo Meyer, Chris Tierney, and Kevin LeBlanc. Who, who, and who if you're not from San Jose.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. If you're not I, from
0: San Jose, who are those guys?
1: Yeah. It it's I guess a very you could say young... the same thing
0: for the Henry Klein. Yeah. But I feel like the Henry Klein's better. I really do. I felt like they should have played a much better game, and for whatever reason, they got outplayed.
1: Yeah, it's a very unique third line in San Jose where they've got a lot of guys who can get things done. I mean, LeBanc has been good for them at times uh, this season. Timo Meyer is a unique guy where he was a top prospect, and he hasn't had a bad season. He's a 20-goal scorer, similar type of season to Andre Kasha. So he's an underrated guy, and Chris Neary is a pretty good third-line center. But, it, yeah, and you're right, like who, who, and who. These aren't the guys you expect to be dominating, and they were the Sharks' best line tonight, and they really victimized the third line for the Ducks. And, and it wasn't the only line that, that the Ducks' third line was matched against. They got beat up by the Sharks' fourth line as well, which is not something you would expect. The fourth line for the Sharks definitely isn't a strong line, but, I mean, they've got to turn something around. And we've seen this from... Uh, Henrique's line a lot since they've been put together. There's some nights where they look unbeatable, and there's other nights where they just completely disappear and look like a shell of the line that we're used to. So, I mean, they got to get things going. They can't, this can't be a trend for them. This can't be consistent throughout the entire series because the Ducks need some depth scoring. I felt like Getzlaff, Perry, and Raquel looked pretty good tonight. Obviously, they didn't have their best stuff. But uh, you know they're going to c- continue to bring on a nightly basis. If Kessler, Cogdano, Silverberg can cont- continue to play defensively the way, the-, the way they did tonight, the Ducks are going to need that extra boost of offense if they're going to make anything out of this series.
0: No, I agree. It's funny that you say that that third line was one of the better lines tonight for the Sharks considering Evander Kane has his name on the score sheet twice, yeah. the same with Pavelski. But it's like you look at that one bad line change by the Ducks and then the five-on-three power play. Outside of that, I don't feel like he was getting grade-A chances. Mm-hmm. So he just made good on both of those, obviously. I mean, he converted, and that's that's the difference in the game. Um, going into uh, to Saturday, I think that everyone should hold their head high. You have a lot to look forward to. Tonight was a bummer, but uh, I feel like the Ducks are not out of it by any means. They're going to come back nastier. They're going to come back bigger. I feel like they're going to play a, a tougher game. Um, I, I hope they stay out of the box. I don't really care about the hits, but what I mean by tougher is on the puck, drive the puck in, um, get to the front of the net. That's what I want to see from this team. They play a heavy game. Everyone says that. We need to see it. Not enough stuff in front of the net, in front of Jones. You didn't make him work hard enough in Aynaheim, and it's disappointing. So hopefully the boys bring the game next next game on Saturday. That's what I'm looking forward to here.
1: Yeah, they have to. I mean, it's it's statistically it's not a must win. But if you drop both games at home, I mean, it's, it's extremely hard to come back. I, I'd be interested to know what the stats are for a home team that drops the first two games and, and for a teams that have come back and actually won a series after that. I'm sure it's pretty low. It's got to be under 15%, in my opinion. But it, it's a must win in, in all the sense of the word uh, on Honda Center, on home ice. You've got to, I mean, right now you've given up home ice essentially if even if you split the series right now and then you've got to go to san jose and at least take one away from them and and that's going to be tough i mean san jose was a good team on home ice but the ducks were were a better team and they're gonna to have to show that in game two i like you said i expect a much better game from anaheim and game two i feel like the things that went wrong in this game aren't necessarily massive things that can't be fixed I feel like there are little tweaks here and there where they're going to look a lot better. And this, there's a lot of things that were one-offs. I, I feel like in this game, that uh, that you won't really necessarily see as a trend throughout the entire series. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't inspire confidence the way they played in this game. But you know, we all hope for better on Saturday because it has to be. You know, they they can't just hope that things are going to be better. They're going to have to go into practice, fix these things up, and be ready to go right off the gate on game two. Yeah.
0: Let's get to our to our chat, my friend. I think we uh we bash this loss as much as we possibly can <laughs> and try to get as much light out of it as possible to go to Saturday. So let's see what people are listening or who are listening have got to say about it.
1: Yeah we got a we got a couple questions in the chat. We have two from Chase, one from Drew and two from Matt. So we'll start at the top. Uh Chase asked do you like Raquel in the left circle in the power play or would you like Montour in there instead? And you know we've talked about this before how the Ducks need a trigger guy, and we've brought up both of them before, and it looks like Raquel was kind of in that spot, I guess, on the power play. In my opinion, I think it fits Montour a bit better if you're looking for the shot from the top of the left circle, but if you're looking for a guy to make plays from there, then I'd put Raquel there, but it all depends on how they're going to set up. I I like the shot from the top of the left circle. I like that option a lot better, especially if you're going to have Getzlaff On the opposite side, feeding it across to Montour, I feel like that opens up a whole new possibility uh, for one-timers and the Ducks power play. So I would like Montour there. I don't know. What do you think?
0: We've seen it before, and it's been successful. It's been a while since it's been successful because, obviously, uh, the power play is not really doing much. But, I mean, I'm all for changing it up to see if it works. Throw Raquel there and see if we can actually get a power play goal. Uh, The Ducks really desperately need one. But uh, I have liked Montour there. It wouldn't be bad to see him stay there because he's got a nice shot, especially when he gets able to line up like that on the circle.
1: Yeah. I mean, something needs to change. They need to fix something to get this power play going. And I mean, if we had a running count, this is probably the 100th time we've said that this season, even just the, the small amount of time we've been doing this show and how the Ducks power play needs to change something up because they have the the personnel for it to be a pretty decent power play. I I feel like the way both teams' power plays look up, if you looked at it on paper and you didn't look at where they were in the rankings, you would assume that it's pretty close. If not, the Ducks might have a slight advantage uh, having some depth on both power play units, but that's not the case. They just haven't been able to get things going.
0: No, they haven't, and they haven't been making good on any of their chances either. Even when they have grade-A chances, I feel like the power play just passes a ton.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's overpassing. We've mentioned that before. But let's move into Chase's second question here. He said, do you think Lindholm felt the pressure of playing the increased minutes in the absence of Cam Fowler? Did he just have a horrible game?
0: I don't know about horrible. I felt like he just wasn't – I mean, if you're talking about his offensive side of things, I mean, you can't really fault him on that play in front of the net where the puck bounced off the end boards. I mean, defensively, he was out there for one goal against. I didn't think he had a terrible game at all. I, f- I felt like the line that just got crushed, as we mentioned earlier, was that third pair. The top four played pretty solid tonight. I think they I think they did what they could. I mean, yeah. missing Cam Fowler is a big piece. I don't think Lindholm had a terrible game. I mean, if Chase is in the chat, I, is there anything that you're referring to specifically? Because I, I didn't feel like he had an awful game at all. And I know that I love Lindholm, so it's easier for me to like pass by some things. But, I mean, realistically, I didn't see anything that was just – you know, under the microscope, for me, I was like, "Wow, what the hell was he doing there?"
1: Yeah, I mean, five on five, Lindholm and Manson were the Ducks' best pairing. I mean, their Corsi the four percentage was fifty-eight point eight two, which is which is a pretty good game. Uh, five on five, when he switched to all situations, it definitely goes down a bit. But that makes sense with the Ducks having six penalty kills in this game, and Lindholm being a big factor in that. But uh, I, I don't think it was a horrible game, and I also don't think he was really feeling the pressure from. Playing uh, any increased minutes. I mean, he played just one second over 23 minutes, which is a regular night for him. And if you look at really who had increased minutes here, it was Boscheman who played 21, uh, just over 21 minutes. And then you had Walensky and Pedersen playing 12 minutes, which is expected. So it was actually Boscheman picking up really Fowler's minutes, plus uh, Montour playing a little bit more, playing 23 minutes as well. So I, I, I mean, I, I'd have to disagree with both statements, I think, because I, I think Lindholm had a pretty good game. You just don't really see it because the Ducks didn't win. Uh, I mean, he, he's defensively in a lo- very defensive-minded, so a lot of what he does kind of goes under the radar in games, and then you have to look and dig into those stats to see what type of game he had, and I actually felt him and Manson did a good job in this game. Their stats just get kind of muddied a bit from the uh, the special teams play.
0: And a one-game sample size in the playoffs yeah. is tough. Even looking looking at Corsi percentages and all that stuff, it's we can get a better idea of how this is really going to shake out. I mean, I know it sounds bad because these series, you know, could end end in four. Although we hope it doesn't, but you really get a feel for how this how these players are going after you're about two, three games in. I think just a one-game shot, especially the opening game of a series, is always hard to judge. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it was terrible. Um, we'll get a better feel about how, it's, how all these percentages look as the series goes along.
1: Yeah, I mean it was a it was a pretty even game except for that stretch in the second period where, of course, San Jose scored three goals. Uh, other than that, and it's 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 easy to say that and look at it. So other than that, I mean they played a pretty good game because there was no goals scored outside that stretch in the second period. But I, I felt like it was a solid game for the most part for the Ducks. There's just as we've mentioned ad nauseum on this podcast today. Uh, just a couple of things they have to work at and get going and fix up for the next game. Because I don't think it's, um, you know, burn everything, start over, and get ready for game two. I feel like it's make a couple tweaks here and there and go off what was successful tonight and hope that it's successful in game two. Um, Put the puck in the net. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the puck, I mean, yeah, there's the a, <laughs> it's a simple answer right there. Put the puck in the back of the net. And they didn't get a lot of good chances in this one. Got a little bit unlucky with a couple posts, but... I mean, they've, they've got to generate some better chances for themselves, and they've got to figure out, I think, priority number one is figuring out how to get through the system that San Jose employed tonight because they, they couldn't get anything going because of that, and, and that's credit to San Jose and the way they set up uh, and, and stifling the Ducks' offense. So we'll have to see how they go in game two. This question here by Drew, I mean, it kind of goes into that because he asked our thoughts on the lines tonight, said Brown seems like a better fit for this series than for Matt. And then he agreed with us about it not being about Gibby uh, and more about the Lions in general.
0: Um, Yeah, it can't be about Gibson. That's really that's really tough, right? You can't really blame him with, like, anything on him on that. I don't even want to go on Facebook. I usually stay off Facebook. After a loss like this, people just go crazy. Um, I agree Brown seemed like a good fit. I felt like he plays good games when, he, when he's in the lineup. We talked about it a little bit for Matt. I don't know why he's in the lineup. I mean, yeah. honestly,
1: I don't I, – I mean, maybe a great he didn't guy. He did even play center. Just, he lined up as a left wing, and I feel like he yeah. was in there as uh, as that spare piece when you need to win a big faceoff. You throw him in and and you put, start him as a center, and then he goes off for an immediate change, and you bring on the guy who's supposed to be on that line. I mean, it's it's in my opinion, it's useless because, uh, I mean, how much – how many more faceoff wins does Vermette bring you over – over having Kessler out there or Gesslev out there, or even if you have to have Adam Henrique. So, say, let's say, hypothetical situation here Vermette has to come in and take a face off, an important face off for Adam Henrique, who ices the puck. I mean, how many more face offs does Vermette win over Adam Henrique? I mean, what, maybe like three or four on a nightly basis? I think that's even pretty Yeah,
0: hard. and right. honestly, it's like, how What's much does point? that
1: really move the yeah. needle in a game? Yeah. I mean, just because I mean, the Sharks win the face off doesn't mean they're. You know, Of course, they've got offensive zone time there, but it doesn't mean they're going to generate anything from that. And if that's the only reason he's in the lineup and you have a guy who we believe can contribute a lot to this team and Troy Terry sitting out of the lineup, I mean, what's the point? I mean, throw Troy Terry out there that immediately makes that fourth line have somewhat of an offensive threat to it. And then you have Derek Grant and JT Brown who at least can provide something... On the off, off offensive side of the pocket, I mean, why not? We've said that multiple times. I mean, now they've burned that year off Troy Terry's ELC, and he's been a healthy scratch for all but two games since coming up for the Ducks. I mean, it's in my opinion, it's a no-brainer to put him on that fourth line with uh, JT Brown and Derek Grant, or at least move him up to the third line and try and get something going on uh, with Henrique and Cash and bump Richie down to the fourth line. But, I mean, we probably won't see it, right? I, I don't expect it to happen.
0: No, and to talk about the face off thing with Matt one more time, I was listening to uh 31 Thoughts the podcast with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, and this was a few maybe a month or two ago, but they were talking about how there was a point in time in Anaheim where they just they made a play to lose the draw on purpose and then retrieve the puck and get zone time.
1: Yeah. Like
0: that's a thing. Like teams do that. That's a thing to get, you know, you just learn to lose the draw and you create a play out of it. So the fact that faceoffs that we've talked about before are extremely overvalued, I feel like. Yeah. You know, having Vermette in there to win a key draw, and it's talked about on broadcast after broadcast after broadcast, you got to win the draw here. It's a very important draw coming up. I feel like that's overplayed. Um, yeah. If that's all your guy does and he can't skate and he can't shoot the puck well anymore, he's past his prime, then you got to put somebody else in. And like you just said, you just burned a year off an of entry-level contract for Troy Terry, who's a prospect that everybody's hot on especially in this Anaheim fan base. who has been looking forward to seeing him, and it's just disappointing. Maybe that's one yeah. of the changes that's going to happen, but honestly I feel like it's going to be a Chimera or a Captain Canada, and uh, I, we're not going to see Terry. I, I'm, <laughs> for whatever reason, I just feel like it's going to be, okay, the kids didn't work out, time to bring the veterans in. And I think that's what's going to happen next game.
1: Yeah, and I think too is, you know, if – you have Vermont on the ice, and all he can do is win faceoffs because he doesn't really contribute that much offensively or even defensively at times. You know, even if you win that defensive zone faceoff, it doesn't mean you're you're going to get the puck out or you're going to control the puck. And if you turn it over, right. then now you've got a liability in Antoine Vermette out uh, in, in this defensive zone. Or even if you win it on the offensive side, you're five on four for a bit. If you decide to throw Antoine Vermette right to the bench, and if it's a long change. Then you've got to wait for another guy to get out, and you maybe lose the puck in the time that it takes him to get to the bench and get a guy, say, like Raquel, back on the ice. I mean, it, it rarely works. I mean, there might be one or two times where it works. We're having Antoine Vermette winning a big faceoff, uh, and then it leads to a goal or a good chance. But, uh, I mean, for what? Maybe one or two chances in the game, if that, if we're lucky. Uh, there's no point in having him in the lineup when, when again, we're going to mention, but when you have a guy like Troy Terry, you can put in there who can at least create some offense on his own. And, and then you have that ability to throw that guy on the ice and make a team a little bit deeper. I, I, I don't see why the decision was made, but I'm not surprised with it based off of what Randy Kyle has done this season.
0: No, that's true. I mean, uh, oh, I just saw this from Gordon Bombay and Chad. Yeah. He said, can we remind everyone that the Sharks aren't known <laughs> for holding a series lead Ask the Kings and the Oilers? So very true. Very, very true. But, we got to make some changes here to get going in the second game. Matt asked the question, would you guys agree that everything looked like a struggle tonight? (laughs) I don't think you could say it any better than
1: that. That's just
0: the kind of game it was, especially once the Sharks got the lead. I mean, I would argue before it was pretty even and the Ducks had their chances and couldn't couldn't bury them. But once the Sharks had that lead, it was like, okay, shut down City. It's just what was going to happen in this game.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it, it really portrays the offensive side. Of the game for the Ducks. Everything just looked like a struggle. They struggled to get through the system that San Jose was putting up. They really didn't get any chances. I feel like the Sharks didn't get a ton of chances on their own uh, offensively. I feel like they didn't generate a lot, and the stats kind of backed that up a bit. Other than the goals that they had, I mean, they were kind of flukes in their own right. I mean, the the, the Burns one, there's not much you can do on that one. And then, of course, the, the Kane one's on a 5-on-3 power play where you're expected to score, so... I mean, I I don't uh, I don't know how to sum it up better than that. You're right. I mean, it was just a struggle. It's a disappointing loss. There's a lot of things that can get changed up for game two, but it's it's not a nightmare. And going to I was going to bring that up before you brought it up, saying how you know people get so down after a big loss, and you look at the Oilers who lost seven to one. To the Sharks and imagine how their fans felt after that loss. Probably thinking that the series is over. I mean, you just got battered. Imagine how Flyers fans feel right now after getting battered seven nothing uh, by the Pens in the first game of the, of the playoffs. I, I mean, they, they're probably feeling a bit down. They're probably feeling more down than us. But it's it's game one. It's game hey, one. That, of the, that's of that's how us Ducks series. fans
0: felt against the Oilers last year in game six. Yeah, Remember exactly. that? Yeah, that was an I'm, awful game six after the crazy comeback in game five. They go to game six and Edmonton just gets slaughtered.
1: I mean, just it's the nature of the playoffs. It's the nature of the playoffs. Every loss is is elevated in disappointment off the regular season because it's a seven-game series. I mean, losses are, are huge. So I, I get it. I mean, we're all disappointed right now. But, it, you know, this is a game one loss. There, there's still six games to go. The Ducks just have to win four of those six games. San Jose still has to win three to win the entire series. It's not like they win on Saturday and, and it's over. So... There's still plenty of time for the Ducks to get back in there, and there's some encouraging signs from this three nothing loss. That looks like this uh, this thing they might be able to easily turn things around for Game Two on Saturday. Let's get to
0: Matt's last
1: question. He says,
0: "What are the three biggest reasons the Ducks couldn't even bury one goal tonight?" I'll go. I'll, I'll do one, and you can do another one, and we can maybe meet in the middle on the third one, but. For me, the biggest thing was uh, going to the penalty box. Very yeah. undisciplined play. undisciplined play with the Ducks tonight. That killed them. I think that was the biggest reason. You take the biggest chunk of time out uh, mm-hmm. for them to, to try to get a goal. And we all know their power play wasn't going to work on it. So, for me, it was all I was all about the PK. Too many penalties.
1: Yeah. And, and the one for me, as we already mentioned, was the Sharks set up today. Their, their system and the way they set up to neutralize the Ducks offense, neutralize – Their chances coming through the neutral zone that there really wasn't much the Ducks could get going. So, you couple that with uh, the amount of power or the amount of penalties the Ducks took. You're basically taking what they took six penalties. Obviously, the seventh was taken with about five seconds to go. So, you're taking about 12 minutes off the clock being on the penalty kill. You're not going to generate a ton of offense during that time. Of course, the Ducks ended up getting nine shots. Uh, short-handed, so they generated something, but uh, that really takes a big chunk of, out of why you really can't get anything going.
0: What would be the third reason for you? For me, it was no direct, like grade A opportunities from that home plate. You know, right in front of the crease, uh, it seemed like everything was more or less pushed to the side and off of skates. The Ducks didn't get enough clean looks in front of Jones, and I think they're going to look to fix that problem on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's a product of the uh, the way San Jose was set up to. I, I mean, they were really pushing everything to the outside. I, I I feel like it's really the two things we brought up. If I had to pick a third, um, I, I would say, and it's kind of a couple, but just how bad that third line played. I, I mean, they really got outplayed by the Sharks' third and fourth lines. And that's uncharacteristic and something you don't expect. I mean, that's the matchup we'd probably take, right, with this third line. You would want them to be matched up against the Sharks third and fourth line and hope that they can take advantage of that, and they didn't. And they really got outplayed, and that's something that's going to have to change if the Ducks offense is going to turn around for game two.
0: No, you're 100% right. I mean, I'm not trying to promote my other show, but on the Puck Guys podcast, we interviewed Kevin Kurz, who uh, covers the Sharks, and he said, look out for Timo (laughs) Meyer." That was one guy he said. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. Watch out for that guy on the third line. So I drafted uh, Timo
1: Mari because of that today. <laughs> so yeah, I good. paid dividends already. He picked up an assist. <laughs> and he caused havoc. Yeah. That
0: line was everywhere. Um, another thing I want to give a shout-out to the Ducks organization, just real quick. Um, there's been just all kinds of outpouring support um, you know, for the, the humble Broncos up in Canada and for the small town there yeah, they lost all those kids and coaches and a trainer and it was pretty cool to see what the Ducks did i don't know if you guys saw it on social media but uh if you, you they were able to bring in your your sticks you could donate sticks and lean them up against wild wing the players all did it like it's a statue outside and the Ducks were auctioning off all the players sticks all the proceeds was going uh, to help out the families in that tragedy and all the sticks that we donated that countless people donated Gets donated to the youth program uh, for the rinks, which my daughter's a part of. I thought that was really cool. I just had to give a shout out to the Ducks on that. I just the hockey community is amazing when there's a tragedy, and I know it's been talked about all over the place, but I think any any sort of help to give those families, yeah, you can't replace what they lost, but any sort of, of help just makes a world of difference. I thought that was a, just a stand up job of the Ducks.
1: I mean, it's a stand up job for the hockey community in general. I mean, this yeah, it's true. This it's six days. And the GoFundMe has raised ten million three hundred twenty-two thousand dollars for the families involved in this. I mean, that's that's insane, and that's from one hundred twenty-one thousand, just over one hundred twenty-one thousand different people donating to this. Over sixty countries, fund. people yeah. in
0: over sixty countries, correct? and
1: yeah, it's exactly. It's not just Canada. I mean, the whole world has gotten behind this for good reason, uh, and it's just great to see. Uh, I mean, some some of the stuff we have to see in in in, in hockey and in general that's so negative and to see everybody rallying around this in a positive way and i mean raising i don't think anybody expected when they set up this go Find me to get over 10 million dollars to support the families but that's going to be huge for them and and then just this i mean the the trend on social media with the sticks has been great you know it, it's such a, a nice heartwarming thing to see everybody getting behind that and it's such a simple gesture but it means so much for the families involved and for everybody involved. And it's just great to see the ducks getting behind that as well as everybody else too.
0: No, it was great. And then there's all kinds of other things outside of the GoFundMe. Um, and the great thing about GoFundMe is you could donate a dollar all the way up to whatever amount you want. So you don't have to have a ton of money if you can just help that way, or even just retweet it if you don't have any money, which is great just to help spread the word. But like violent gentlemen, I ended up buying two shirts from them. Um, just you know, to donate all proceeds going there. I know like I mean you name it, bring hockey back, had a t shirt yeah. up. There's a lot of places that were able to put up uh, you know products that teams out 50 Teams fifty fifties
1: were donating their uh, their funds to that as well. I mean everybody was getting behind it.
0: So we don't even know. The GoFundMe was at ten and a half million. All this other money
1: on the outside yeah. to go and help these families, it's just incredible, man.
0: I didn't want to spend a lot of time on on a sad topic, but I just wanted to bring positivity. Um, on to what happened out of a tragedy, and I was just—I thought what the Ducks did was great. I thought it was awesome, and like you said, the whole community there. But um, put a bow on this one. Everyone's got to look forward to Saturday. We have any more uh, any more questions from the chat? Are we wrapped up? Nothing on. The, I think everyone on Twitter bugged out once everyone left Honda Center. I don't think anyone wanted to talk about this game on Twitter.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, and I think the the same same going on Reddit pretty much. I I didn't expect a ton of questions. I feel like everybody was ready to just get home and forget about this win and move on to Saturday's game. But we will. We will be back around the same time for the game on Saturday, which is nice. Well, hopefully it'll be a win because this was, although it went over an hour, it was a, a depressing podcast to say the least because, I mean, eh, we didn't expect the Ducks to come out this bad in, in Game 1 and hopefully things turn around for, for Game 2 because we want we want to break down a win with you guys. I mean, it's more exciting when we can get in here and talk about what the Ducks did right rather than what the Ducks did wrong. For sure. So shout-out to everybody in the tr- in the chat. Matt, Chase,
0: Drew, Derek, uh, Gordon Bombay, as always, is in the chat. If I missed your name, I apologize. Everybody who joins in on the Fever Mighty uh, three-star leaderboard that Eddie keeps track of trying to win that jersey. Anyone who hits us up on Facebook and Instagram, we love you guys. If you don't already support us on iTunes or Google Play, please go click subscribe, leave us a review, leave us a five-star And we'll love you guys forever for it. And we'll be back and talking to you guys, Ducks hockey. Hopefully we'll be breaking down a win on Saturday against the Sharks. And uh, have a great rest of the week. Let's go, Ducks.